Welcome to the System Hub Podcast. Hola. Konnichiwa. Guten Tag. Where we interview world-class experts. You have to have a lot of passion for what you're doing. I was fanatical in my 20s. If you could find a way to produce a business that works without you, your life would change like that. Extracting, organizing, and optimizing their best systems and processes for rapid business growth. Now, let's get into the show. Welcome back to the Business Systems Summit. In this session, we're going to be chatting with Brian Moran. He's the co-author of the New York Times bestselling book, 12 Week Year. Now, what I love about the book is it just focuses on some core business principles like consistency, focus, ownership, accountability, planning, and, and puts it all together in a straightforward system. So that's why it makes perfect sense to get him onto the summit because this is a system. And Brian's had over 30 years experience as a CEO, executive, entrepreneur, consultant, coach, and that's an executive as well in companies like UPS, PepsiCo, Northern Automotive, and he's consulted with dozens of world-class companies, including JCPenney, UBS, Tiffany & Co. So it's I think it's through that unique perspective, seeing business from all angles, that Brian's been able to develop this unique ability to help both individuals and organizations grow oftentimes more in 12 weeks than they do in 12 months. So it's definitely with great pleasure that I get to welcome Brian to the call. Thanks for making the time, Brian. Oh, yeah. Great to be here, David. Now, I know, Brian, there's a lot for us to cover and we're going to go through your 12-week year system. So as a, a way to start, I always like to to cover off some of the, the problems and the challenges that you see this particular system aims to solve. And then, yeah, let's walk through it step by step. Yeah, I think there's a lot of challenges that business owners have, and so many of them are related to the lack of execution. You know, one of the things I see, I and mean, it's true with individuals too, but especially businesses, is there's never a lack of good ideas. And, you know, the primary breakdown between what an organization's capable of and what they achieve, the, the gap there is usually an execution gap. It's not a knowing gap. Mm-hmm. And, and yet people are constantly searching for new ideas and better ways to go to market and more resources. Not that that's a bad thing, but if they just executed on what they currently know, they'd perform a lot better. And it's true individually as well, right? If people just did more of what they know more consistently, they'd have better health, they'd have better relationships, they'd make more money. And it's true for organizations as well. So mm-hmm. our focus is all about what gets executed. It's not enough to know. It's not enough to have great ideas. It's not enough to, you know, have resources. You've got to implement. The marketplace only rewards the ideas and knowledge that gets implemented. Yeah, and I think it seems to be um, a big challenge that a lot of visionaries end up facing, like startup founders. Oftentimes, you know, when some business owner gets started, they've got this ability to see out in the world a problem that they want to go out there and solve. And then when it comes down to it and getting down and and getting to work, that's where the rubber hits the road. It's that implementation. And I mean, I'm just as guilty of it, this idea of having big, long lists. I've got some just written down here of things that need to be done. It always just comes down to actually implementing it and getting it done. So, where do you like to start with this process? The first piece is, as we began working with the fundamentals that drive high execution, we were getting good results, but you know, we didn't get what we felt we were capable of. And when we realized that there was a barrier in what we were doing and the way most people go about it, and that is the annual environment, right? People set annual goals. They break them down quarterly and monthly and weekly. And that's better than not setting goals, and it's better than not breaking them down but there's still this barrier in that environment. And the primary barrier is this illusion of lots of time. So, you know, when January rolls around, everybody's fired up. Everybody's thinking they're going to have their best year ever. 
And, and when you get to the end of the month, most people are behind their plan. They're behind goal. Yet, David, nobody's worried. Well, why is that? Well, it's because the thinking, the mindset is, well, we got 11 more months to catch up. And it's that mindset that holds us back. So the, the first thing we did was we realized we had to get out of the annual environment. And we came across an athletic training concept called periodization. It began in the 70s, used primarily with Olympic athletes. Um, works so well, it's used in most sports, whether you know it or not. And so we took that, we adapted it, and that's where the 12-week year was created. And our clients work in the context of every 12 weeks as a year, and w- where there's a hard line in the sand. And, and no, there aren't, there aren't four of those in the year. <laughs> that 12 weeks is the year, right? That, so getting out of that, the mindset more than anything else around the annual environment that just, it causes us to put things off. It allows us to procrastinate. It allows us to push the list to, you know, next week instead of getting it done this week. And so the first place we start is really reframing how we think about time and how we view a year. Because there's nothing magical about the end of December. (laughs) But as that draws closer, individuals, organizations behave differently. And it's because of that deadline. So, you know, what we look at is we now have the ability to have, you know, accomplish four times as much or more in the course of a calendar year, in the course of 12 months. Because we're working as if every 12 weeks is a year where there's a hard line in the sand, where we're going to stop, we're going to measure our success or failure. And what happens in that then is just a greater sense of urgency and more consistency with the things that matter most. Hmm. A couple of things stood out for me there. The first one, obviously, being this idea of the the deadline. It's it's something, one of the reasons we run live events and things like the summit like this is once you've got that deadline in place, you've got something to work towards. It ends up being a pressure cooker. And depending on the way that you create these deadlines, it it can be something that has to be completed. That's why I love live events or uh, events like this, because it has to be done by a certain date because you know everybody's going to be showing up and things have got to get done. So I think anything to create those deadlines in business is is absolutely key. Yeah, so that's probably the main thing that stood out for me. So so I suppose the first thing that you do then is, is thinking in terms of, right, we've got a, a 12-week runway here. At, at what time are you thinking that and do you begin planning this process? Like if it's not at the start of the year, when, when does that kind of first kick off? Yeah, so where whenever you start. <laughs> but- yes. There are five disciplines we, we bundled it with that are really the fundamentals of high performance. And, and the first is vision. So the, we don't just start by putting a 12-week plan together. We start with the longer-term vision so that it's aligned and it's enabled. The interesting thing is with the 12-week year is we don't start with the business vision. We start with your personal vision for everyone in the organization because that's the ultimate motivation. Then we go to the organizational vision and make sure the two are aligned. So that there's a powerful connection then as we move into planning, a powerful connection between what each person does Monday through Friday and the life they want to live. And, and that is the impetus for us to step out and do things we haven't done before and do them more consistently and you know, step into that discomfort, the change that it takes to create better results. One thing with setting the vision, because it's, I know sometimes people feel like, oh, they're locking into something or they're wanting to get it just right and perfect. And that ends up almost like paralyzing them, making 
the decision or or coming to, you know, here's what our vision is or our plan, both individually, oftentimes in larger organisations, it might be a bit more set because there's more heads in it. But do you have any insight or or thoughts around how do people kind of get clear on what that vision is for them and for the company? Yeah, it's it's a great point because if if there's one thing I don't want to screw up, right, it's my vision for my life. What happens if I get it wrong? Right, right, right. And it's interesting because most people haven't done that work. So there is that notion of, wow, you know, where do I go and what if I get it wrong? And, and so, you know, our advice is just hold that lightly, right? You always have the right to change it and adjust it. And you will, right? As you reach certain pinnacles, new opportunities open up, you grow, you evolve. And so your vision will change. But kind of thinking through from a personal standpoint, what really matters to me, right? How do I want to show up in the world in the different roles I play? What are the things I want to do that make life exciting? What do I want to have in my life, material, non-material things, and the stuff that really matters? And we take two cuts at it, David. We take on the personal side, we take a long-term 5, 10, 15 years in the future aspirational. And then we bring it more near term and we go 36 months out. The reason we do that is because, you know, 10, 15 years in the future, I can do anything. I can rule the world. When I start to bring that more near term, there's this dose of reality that comes with that. Uh, But we're still stretching and we're still challenging ourselves about what's possible and what we're capable of. And then the 12-week goals align with those longer-term visions. So, you know, to get people to just engage that is just beginning to think about and, and not feeling like, boy, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chisel this thing in stone and it's never going to change. It's going to change. What I want to do is get something on paper that excites me. It makes me a little bit nervous, too. That's how you know you're on the right track. And then you reserve the right to change it. You'll come back and you'll look at some stuff and, yeah, you know, that doesn't matter to me anymore because I'm in a different place or some new things may show up. That's okay. Just hold it lightly and get something on paper to start with. Yeah, I think um, interesting when people also start to set goals and things like that. And this is one of the reasons I, I like your system so much is, you know, it's, it's like when they'll they'll try and set their annual budgets or something like that for the company. And they just throw out these numbers like, oh, I would like to be doing this or that. There's not as much thought about, well, what does it take to actually achieve that? I find that's quite common when people set goals. It's like, I'd love a jet, okay? But there's no real thought on, one, if they really, really want it, and two, what then those actions are to get there. Do do you, when in this initial setting the vision and the goals, do you have any sort of thinking models or, or ways that you approach what you're putting down? Or is it a case of, hey, just be dream as big as you can here and then, you know, we'll figure out how it's done? How, how do you approach that? Yeah, we do an exercise that probably a lot of your listeners have done, have to be, where you're brainstorming yeah. all things you want to have. So that's the time to get crazy outrageous because that's where we first kind of challenge ourselves on what's possible. And the biggest barriers are mental. Right? You can't create it in the physical world unless you first can embrace it mentally. And, and so part of that exercise is just the fun of really getting outrageous. And then we start to sort through that as, because not all of that's going to be part of the vision. Not all of that's going to matter to me. But if a jet matters to me and it's going to be part of my longer-term vision, then it ends up there. You know, when we start to get more near-term to the goals you know, is when that starts to become a reality of, okay, what's it going to take to create some of that stuff? And so if, if you really looked into a jet, whether it's a VLJ or business-sized jet, you know, there's quite a cost to operating them. It's not just buying the jet, it's operating the jet. So when you start to dig into that, then, then you start to look at, okay, so what kind of income do I want to be at so that I could spend the money on a jet and feel comfortable doing that? 
And so all of that starts to factor in, but it's based on, you know, it starts with what excites me. You know, as I think about my future, what excites me about that? And as you said, does a jet really matter to me or not? Does it sound great because maybe I know some other people that have it or why is it making the list? And if it's really important to me, then we go to work on making it happen. Yeah, that makes sense. So that first step, getting very clear on on the vision and the direction for, for you individually and, and the organization and making sure that there's some alignment, then, then what happens after that? So the second discipline then is planning, but, but 12-week planning is different than traditional planning in, in a number of ways. That one of the biggest differences, though, is it's more focused. Most plans have too much in them. People are overwhelmed. They end up diffused, especially in organizations, and partly because we're putting together annual plans. And so that's why those plans oftentimes look more like budgets, because it's really difficult to predict the future, right? I, what are we going to be doing nine, 10 months from now? Who knows? Who knows what's going to be happening in the economy and in the marketplace? And, but when we, we bring that horizon near term to 12 weeks, the predictability goes up and we focus in on a few things. And the reason we do, you'll hear us talk all the time about less is more. And it's because of the fact that there's limited capacity. Whether you're an, an organization of one or 1,000 or 10,000 or 100,000, I mean, we work with some large organizations there's still limited capacity. And so our approach is let's be great at a few things versus mediocre at many. So we limit it at the goal level. We limit it at the action level. And the other thing that's really different with 12-week planning over traditional planning is our plans are tactical where most plans are conceptual. And you can't execute concepts. So you've got to get granular. You've got to get the statements that describe the action people on the team take. And it's not things like improve efficiencies. Right? That means nothing. It's what are they going to do to improve efficiencies or very specific actions that the individual can take. So there's clarity around what's expected and, and there'll be some transparency then on whether or not people are doing it. Um, so that planning process is critical, but it's very, it's very different. It's very granular. It's very focused and it's tactical versus conceptual, which is for some of your listeners, they'll go, ah, it sounds the same. It's very, very different. And, and that's an area that a lot of our clients struggle with because most people have never been taught to plan that way. And on the front end of it, you don't really see the difference. <laughs> but mm. when you start to execute, there's all the, the only reason we plan is because it helps you execute. How that plan is structured makes a big difference in terms of how the team executes. That, that transition from you know, having the, the vision and then the goals, is there anything when we get down to, okay, well, what are some of these actions? Are there any questions that you like to ask or ways to uncover, is this an action or have I just set the, hey, we, we need to make sure that we improve our bottom line? Like, yeah, do you have any particular ways to translate it into the action? Yeah, a couple, th- couple things here, David. First, helping people understand that the plan is two levels, outcomes and actions. And, and which do we have greater control over? Actions. Actions, there you go. So the goals are the outcomes. We don't control them. We influence them. We desire them. The actions, the tactics are the actions. And it's important that we get that relationship right. Because I've bumped into some people that said, no, I was always taught never set a goal you can't control. And I would say that's bunk. That's what a goal is. It's a desire. It's, it's an outcome. So first off, getting that relationship right is really critical. And then kind of working through what are all the possible actions we could take? And because, again, less is more, we're looking for the critical few. If we could only do one of those, which one would have the biggest impact? If we could only do one more, which would have the next biggest impact? And making sure that we've got them down 
to statements that describe the action someone can take at the, at the tactic level. So um, rather than if I'm in sales, rather than you know get referrals, that's a great concept, but I can't execute that. You know, in fact, most concepts like that have multiple tactics associated with it, multiple steps, if you will. And so really getting granular. Yeah. And when it comes to sort of volume, because you, you talked about this idea of just better to be really good at a handful of things rather than, you know, pretty average at a lot of things. Do you have any guides on, on yeah, how many things you're putting into this plan? I suppose it's going to vary, you know, if you're thinking in terms of the organization and the size of the team versus the individual. But from a focus perspective, you kind of look at a, a certain number of, you know, big rocks or ha- how do you think about that? Yeah, it, it, it also depends, David, on as, a, as an organization, are we planning as a team and how big are the teams? So, for instance, in our company, our leadership team does a team plan, which means we have a, a shared plan, a shared set of goals and shared execution. So some of the tactics have my name, some have Michael, some have Judy, some have Karen's, that type of thing. And so in a, in a plan like that, we're still looking at one goal is better than two, two is better than three. When you start to get more than three, you're stretching yourself really thin. Yeah. Yeah. And it's true whether I'm an individual or an organization, because that planning piece, there's certain levels that make sense to do a team plan. Like if you have a a company of a thousand, you're not going to do a team plan with a thousand people, right? You could probably do it with a leadership team, or you may have departments that do their own team plan, that type of stuff. So it does vary, but the general rule is people try and put too much in it because they've been accustomed to trying to plan for 12 months. Yeah, and the cool thing is you're never going to go more than 12 weeks before you adjust. <laughs> so, you know, at the end of those 12 weeks, there's a hard line. We're going to look back. We're going to look at what worked. What did we learn? What would we do different? And we're going to adjust on the next go around. Yeah, that makes sense. And what's the next discipline then? Yeah, we call it process control. And that's just our term for tools and events that help you execute the plan. And so what we want to do is we want to insert some things into the environment that the people can lean on so that we're not just relying on personal discipline. And so peer support is a big piece of that, right? How are we getting together as a group and looking at what's getting done? Is it producing or not? How are we getting together as a group and looking at who's doing what and who needs help? The other piece is taking that that 12-week plan for everyone and transitioning that or translating that to a weekly plan. And so we have a piece of software our clients use, but whether you do it on that software, you do it on a tablet, it really doesn't matter. You get the concept that that weekly plan is a one twelfth slice of the 12 week plan. It doesn't contain everything I do in my job. It doesn't even contain everything in the 12 week plan. It's just what's doing the 12 week plan this particular week that has my name on. But by default, that's the most important stuff because we went through the conversation of what are the critical goals, right? What are the most important goals? What are the critical few tactics? So when that weekly plan is created, it's not, I'm not creating it out of the thin air. I'm just pulling out what's due this 12 weeks for this particular week with my name on it. By default, that's what matters most. Everything else is secondary. So when we talk about winning the week, that's how you win the week. You execute that plan. Yeah. And, and so what's so powerful about that is not, not only do we know what matters most for the 12 weeks, we now know what matters most weekly by individual which is really, really powerful, especially in a team environment. Because there's so much coming at us. If we don't know that, right, it's easy to get off course. It's easy to get busy, but not being productive. It's easy to get 
where you're kind of the hamster on the wheel, right? You're just, you're killing yourself, but you're not moving the needle. Yeah. From a visibility perspective from you know other team members and things like that, do you have a, yeah, a thought on how you approach that? Obviously, you, you'll have sort of accountability, but from the software perspective, is, is that something or, or do you kind of use one of the other principles to cover that? Yeah, it's principle-based, but the software supports it. So the process supports the fact that, look, if you're going to have a high-performance culture, David, there's three structures you need to have. Whether, whether, whether you embrace collaboration, whether you value teamwork, whether you value customer service or whatever it is, there's three underlying structures. The first is clarity. Clarity of vision, clarity of goals. Most importantly, clarity of actions around expectations. The second is transparency. Are we able to see what's getting done and who's doing what and who's not doing what needs to happen. And the third thing is evidence. Is it producing? And so what the 12-week year does, it has that built in. So that transparency comes in that everyone shares in the team plan. Everyone knows what's due this week by individual. And part of that peer support is on a weekly basis, we go through what we call a WAM or weekly accountability meeting, where we go through the tactics that were due last week. And then we go around the table and everyone talks about given what they had do, what got done for them. So there's total transparency for the people that are involved in it. And that can be scary in some organizations. And so if you're heavy handed with that, it's going to be a disaster. But, but if you use it effectively, what it does is it the entire organization knows who's struggling, who needs help, who's doing well, are we on track? What do we got to do this week to get back on track if we're not? And so what happens in that, David, is you get the corrective action sooner, which is what really accelerates the results. With sort of, because we talked about applying this to various different sizes of organizations, is there, I think what I like about solid systems and processes is that it can be applied to numerous different situations because the framework is solid enough that it just applies do you see what sort of results, or not so much results, but um, how have you seen it sort of work from smaller teams through to the very large teams? Do you, are there any adjustments that you make, or is it generally pretty much following the same principles? It's generally following the same principles. I mean, we work with small groups of uh, five or 10, and we work with groups like Allstate and Medtronic that are multi-billion dollar companies, you know, but... Again, with an all-state, they're not going to try and apply, create one plan for 10,000 people or whatever, right? You're going to see the, the senior leadership team probably have their own plan. And then that process sort of trickles down through the organization to where you get out at the agent level. The agent, that office, that agency has a plan for just that agency with his or her staff of five or six. But the, the process and the, and the disciplines are the same. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, moving through to the next principle. Scorekeeping. That's the evidence piece. Yeah. And so, you know, your, your group's probably familiar with lead and lag indicators. And again, we look for the critical few. Might, there might be 20 you could track. What are the four or five that really matter? <laughs> and then there's one lead indicator, though, that's the most powerful lead indicator people have, and most folks aren't even aware of it. And that ultimately is a measure of your execution. Because as you said earlier, we control the actions, not the outcomes. So we're going to track the outcomes through the lead and lags. We're going to score the execution. So every week as an individual, we have a personal execution score. Of the things that we're doing, my weekly plan, what percentage got done? That's part of that transparency. The, the, the lead and lag, the, the tracking of those is part of the evidence, right? So there's, there's two things in play here. 
am I doing what I said I needed to do? Is it producing what I thought it would? And the reason that's so critical is because the primary breakdown is not in the plan content, it's in the execution. And yet what most people do when it's not working is they go change the plan, partly because it's easier and partly because they don't have a way to pinpoint the breakdown. If there's a breakdown, if you're not getting the result, David, it's one of two areas. It's either the plan content, you don't have the right stuff in the plan, or it's your execution, you're not, you're not doing it consistently enough. And 80, 90% of the time, it's the execution. And that's why that scoring of the execution is so important. And it's the combination of those measures that tell the story. So I'm, I'm measuring my lead and lags, I'm measuring my outcomes, I'm scoring my execution. And the cool thing is, you don't have to be perfect. <laughs> With tens of thousands of people having used the system, typically if you're 80% or higher on a weekly basis, you'll accomplish the 12-week goals. It's always, again, some of the, the challenges that I see people have when it comes to translating um, that goal. Then, you know, we've talked about putting it on the plan, figuring out what those activities are. Then also for the, for the measurement, like there are oftentimes loads of different metrics. And you see this all the time when people are looking in financial software and even marketing software. A lot of the software these days, they just love to generate just loads of analytics and information. It it becomes a little bit hard to necessarily know how and and where to focus. Are there particular ways that you help them to uncover or, or that you've got a method of uncovering, hey, this is the indicator that is contributing most to this outcome? You know, it's based on the goal, right? So the goal is going to drive the measures, the lead and lags. And again, we're always looking for a critical few. What are the two or three per goal that matter most that are going to tell you whether or not you're on track? And the less rear view mirror it is, probably the better. We're going to measure the outcome directly, but there may be a couple other lead indicators that we're going to track as well that can give us a feel for is it producing or not. But again, that most powerful lead indicator is the execution score. Yes. Because that's the thing that, that I lean on week in and week out and look to, are we, are we executing at a high level? Because if I'm not in the 80 percentile and I'm not getting the result, that shouldn't surprise me, <laughs> but it does. And so if that's the case, I'm not going to go adjust the plan. I'm going to work on, you know, what's it going to take for me to execute this plan? What am I doing that's not in the plan? Why am I choosing to do that stuff over what's in the plan, right? What do I need to do this week to make sure that, the stuff in the plan gets done regardless of what anything else that happens. And then when you start to do that consistently, what happens in that is anytime you execute, it produces something. So if it's not what you want, there's market feedback that'll tell you where to adjust. The reason so many people are lost in terms of adjusting their plan is because they're not executing at a high level. They're not scoring their execution. They're not measuring their execution. And so then they sit back in a room and they guess at what to do different. With the 12-week year, it's much more of a science. You'll know where the breakdown is. If it happens to be in the plan, the marketplace will tell you how to adjust it. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. The next principle in the process? Is time use. And so that's the last of the five disciplines Everything happens in the context of time, right? And if you're not managing that, if you're not in control of that, then you're not in control of your results. But what's interesting is when we do workshops and, and I speak, I'll ask people, you know, what, what's the first thing you need to know to be effective with your time? I'm going to pause there to give your listeners a chance to think through that. Oftentimes, people will say how much time we have. And I would argue that we have the same till we drop, right? 24 hours a day. Others will say, well, 
what matters most. That's an important thing to know, but it's not the first thing. The first thing we need to know is what do we want, which is back to the vision question, isn't it? Yeah. The second thing is what matters most. That's the planning question. The third thing is, are we doing it? That's the execution question. The, the next piece is, is it producing? That's the measurement piece. So there's a sequencing to these disciplines, you know, in order to be effective with your time. If you're not clear on that other stuff, you know, we can talk about performance time and time blocking, but all you're going to do is get more efficient at the stuff that doesn't matter. So it's really about being clear on those other pieces that allows you then to be more effective with your time. If, if you don't know what you want, you don't know what matters most, then how do you begin to really use your time effectively? And then we use a system that uses time blocking just to take back control of the day. Carve out time for strategic, carve out time for the low-level interruptions, carve out time for time off. And when we say carve off, this is loading it into your calendar and having that actually blocked out so it's really clear? Yep, absolutely, yeah. If we go through, I'd love to talk through like something moving through these different stages. I don't know if you've got a particular example that sort of lends itself well to whether it's at an individual or a company level. It'd be good to kind of get an idea of, right, this is how we might have set the vision or the goal and then, yeah, walking through those steps, what that looks like. Yeah, so I I think it's pretty straightforward. We're working with one company. It's a a plastics manufacturer. Um, They do plastic bottles. and they do about 17 million. They were kind of stuck there. I mean, they'd been growing a little, but really feeling like, hey, we're stuck. We're not growing. So when we got together with that group. You know, we did some of the personal vision work. Then we did the organizational vision work. And they, they came up with a vision of five years out, they wanted to be at 25 million. Given the, the way they had stalled out, they felt like that was really aggressive and made some people uncomfortable. Other people were really excited about it. So that, you know, that's kind of how you know you got the sweet spot there. So then we pulled that together and we pulled back and said, okay, what does that mean, you know, this 12 weeks? Where do we need to be? And sort of began to map that out. And from that created the tactical plan. And as they began working, you know, it was a challenge at first because most people, whether you know it or not, tend to be ruled by the day-to-day, the, the interruptions that come in, the phone rings, the, the person walks in your office. And there's so much that happens that is not critical to you accomplishing those goals but that can eat up your day. And so as they started to work from a weekly plan, there was some frustration about why I don't have time to get to this stuff. And so we had to confront the fact that, okay, what matters most? Is it this stuff or is it all the other stuff? And if it is this stuff, then what do we do with all the other stuff? (laughs) And some of that is it doesn't get worked on. You can't say yes to everything. We have to say no to certain things. So Let's be intentional about the things we're saying yes to and the things we're saying no to. And as it began to work that way, it came on a little bit at a time. Some people just right out of the gate picked up on it. Others, it was more of a struggle. But what was happening is they were seeing that when they did the critical work, it moved the needle and it lowered their stress. And and they were able to see that some of that other stuff they were doing really didn't matter. So they were able to let it lay there. And what happened was at the end of 12 months, I think we had them at 23 million. So their five-year vision was 25 million. At the end of 12 months, we had them at 23 million. I mean, that's what's possible when we focus in and we're consistent with the stuff that really matters. You know, it's not without a challenge. And the bigger the organization, the bigger the challenge. And you'll have some people that just flat out don't like the transparency and the accountability that's created with the 12-week year. We are 
we were working with one group and they had, uh, I think five salespeople. And then the first 30 days, one quit. And the first 12 weeks, a second quit. And yet at the end of 12 weeks, we we're up 35%. <laughs> so, so not only were they not producing, but they were dragging down the team. But, you know, it exposes people who aren't committed, who aren't, who don't have the ability. And that's a good thing, right? They can move on and find something that works for them. And, and you can find a team that really, you know, has the skill and has the will to do what you want them to do. So I don't know if those examples help, but it's a pretty straightforward process. I mean, where we start with that longer term vision, build the plan. Now, you know, again, a tactical plan is a challenge for folks, but, but if you think granular, think critical few, and then using the tools and, and the support, the, the process to execute that and pay attention to it and measure not only your outcomes, but most importantly, score your execution. What happens, David, is it, it's a self-correcting system. And that as you apply it, you get better and better and better. And it accelerates your success. The 12-week year is all about, look, there is no perfect plan. Wish there were, but there's not. And so it's about taking your best plan and going out in the marketplace and succeeding or failing as fast as you can and then come back and tighten that up. So it's really about making smaller adjustments more frequently. And that's how we accelerate the success. That's how that bottle company was able to accomplish what would have been four years goal in 12 months. Yeah, I think with a, a system like this, yeah, the, the consistency is absolutely key because it's taking it, applying it, and then changing the culture in the organization. And I can see how certain people, and usually the resistance will come from the existing team because there's that element of change. But then any new right. team members that come on board, if they've only known the 12-week year and this is just how we do things here, then the adoption is probably very, very different and, and we start to shift the way that the organization thinks and attract those right sort of high-performing team members in. Yeah, that's right. There's never resistance from the new people because they don't know any other way. <laughs> yes, yeah. It's just the way we do it. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think what I like most about this is it's something that could be applied at, yeah, all levels from the individual through to different departments, through to leadership. It's quite simple in its approach. When it comes to sort of the, the cadence of this, does it just, what does sort of that, that meeting frequency look like? Like obviously you've got the initial planning and get together for the every 12 weeks. When it comes down to the cadence for shorter, do you have an idea of sort of meeting structure? Yeah. So first off, every 13 weeks is a time to celebrate, time to take some time off. It's also time to assess how we did and to lock and load for the next 12 weeks. So in some organizations, they'll, they'll go a couple weeks with that. Uh, most organizations do that in one week, but that's the, so every 13th week, if you will, like our organization, we go off site for two days and we, we look back and what worked, what didn't work, what we learn, what mistakes did we make? What do we want to do different moving forward? Then we reconnect with vision. We set the goals. We build out the new plan. Once we start executing that, on a weekly basis, there's that weekly accountability meeting. So we run that as a team. And that, that is not a long meeting. It's uh, maybe 20 minutes at most if you're doing it as a team. But again, we're looking at first and foremost, you know, did we do what we said we needed to do last week? And then what is it producing? And then do we need to change anything in the plan? Oftentimes, on a monthly basis, we'll extend that a little further and really dig into, okay, are there any edits we need to make to the plan? Are there are the numbers between the execution and the measures telling us that we should make some adjustments? And, and if so, we get agreement as a team. Because what happens is that 
if we're operating as a team for a team plan, we don't let any one person edit the plan without the team buying into it. And then that's really the cadence right there is on a weekly basis, we're meeting to determine, did we do what we said we need to do as producing on a monthly basis, a little deeper dive on that process at the end of 13 weeks. So there's always this after action review that happens weekly, happens monthly, happens every 12 weeks. Yeah, can kind of see how it would just adjust and and always like any time you run a f- process, the first time you run it, it is the most clunky. And I think by making it okay for people like you did at, at the start of, hey, no planning process, it's not going to be 100% right the first time around. And it's probably never going to be 100% right. It's a case of those constant adjustments and micro adjustments, as long as you've got you know, very clear on, on the direction that you're headed and you, you just keep adjusting. I suppose it's just like a, a ship or a plane, how they, you know, most of the time they're on their journey, they're off course. And it, it's a matter of just adjusting to get back on course. That's it. That, that's really it. You know? And so with this sense of urgency, because the year ends no, no further than 12 weeks. <laughs> yeah. And as we start to walk that out, even, you know, so you, you've got a healthy sense of urgency that exists in that 12-week year that doesn't exist in an annual cycle. You know, when you get near the end of the year, it's a panic sense of urgency. That's not good either. (laughs) So with the 12-week year, there's a more healthy sense of urgency that exists every day, every week that says, look, you know, this is stuff that matters. And and we talk about win the day, win the week, but the big thing is win the week. You're going to have some days that blow up. As long as we can win the week and we do that enough in a 12-week cycle, you'll accomplish the goals. And and at one level, you know, I'm less concerned about did we hit the goal as I am? Did we do everything we said we needed to do to hit the goal? Because again, what we control. And if we did everything we could, we executed at a high level and we didn't hit the goal, we'll still celebrate that. Why? Because there's there's learning in that. There's excitement in that. There's stuff we're going to apply the next 12 weeks. And I can guarantee you we'll crush the goal the next 12 weeks. Because now we know what it takes to execute. And now what can happen is you can accomplish anything. You just build the tactical plan around it if your team knows how to execute. I'm always focused on the goal, but on a weekly basis, really dialed in on what we can control, which is the execution of the actions. Yeah, I love it. If if we focus too much on the goal, it's paralyzing because intuitively we know we don't control that. And I'll see that. I'll see that with organizations. I'll see that with people in their personal lives. We do a lot of one-on-one coaching and you know it's usually around business but there's always these personal aspects too and i i remember a client was having some legal issues with the family and he was so fixated on the outcome that he had hoped for that it was it was literally paralyzing and just helping him work through look you don't control that outcome you know all you can do is start to put together that tactical plan and walk it out and then pay attention to where you adjust it whether or not it creates the outcome you're after you know, we'll see. But but if you get too fixated on it, it stymies you. It doesn't help you. Yeah. Kind of, I, I got this uh, visual of someone looking up at the where they're actually headed, getting clear on, am I heading in the right direction? And then they put their head down and they're just looking at what those next steps are. And it's like that cadence of you look down, you make the first few steps, look up, are we on course? Great. Look back down, yeah. keep doing those steps. So it makes like intuitively it makes sense yeah so every week we're looking up and during the week right we're just we're focused on executing the plan 
Yeah, perfect. Well, Brian, I, I know we've gone through quite good detail where someone will be able to uh, take pretty much your process here and start to install at least the basics into their organisation and probably for them individually as well. I'm going to put a link through to the book because that goes into it in more detail and there are some different tools and things and worksheets that they can access. If people want to find out more about your work, where's the best place for them to go? Yeah, you bet. 12weekyear.com. One, two, the number 12weekyear.com. Perfect. I'll, um, I'll link to that, obviously, plus through to the book. Also, a big suggestion to check out Brian on both LinkedIn and Facebook. I, I do see quite a few of your uh, videos popping up, Brian, on, on Facebook. and He's got some just really great high-value content pieces that explain different elements and, and that extend beyond just the 12-week year, also with just insights, strategies, principles, and tactics for business. So definitely worth checking out that as well. Yeah, check us out on YouTube as well. Ah, perfect. All right, I'll make sure I pop all of those links. So, um, yeah, a big thank you, Brian, for your time. Thank you for sharing the the system. I know people will get a lot from it. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to chatting with you again soon. Yeah, thanks, David. You've just been listening to the System Hub Podcast. Remember, we've documented this system for you so you can literally swipe and deploy it within your business. Head to www.systemhub.com forward slash podcast to download it now.